You're listening to Criterion Channel Surfing, a podcast dedicated to the films of the Criterion Collection streaming video service, the Criterion Channel. I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. Film critic Britt Condiff joins me today to discuss January's new releases and expiring titles, and Michael Hutchins stops by to talk about the Criterion Channel's permanent streaming library. Stay with us as we start surfing the Criterion Channel. If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, make sure to check out The Robert Taylor Odyssey, a blog written by Robert Taylor. Robert Taylor takes you along for a journey into his cinematic obsessions, from the Criterion Collection and Film Noir to the films of Akira Kurosawa and the American Film Institute's Top 100. Find out more at theroberttaylorodyssey.wordpress.com. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com. My guest today is film critic Britt Condiff. Britt, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's uh, it's really fun to have you. Britt was in the same MFA program as I, and uh, Britt has studied film, and uh, it's been really great to be able to, to talk film with you over the years, and I'm really excited to talk Criterion Channel with you today, so thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So in our Patreon kind of pre-show banter, uh, you mentioned that you have just resubscribe to the channel. Uh, I know that COVID and the the last almost year of pandemic has affected everyone differently. And I know that you had to kind of put some subscriptions on hold, but I know that just in kind of our interactions before, you're a, a big fan of the Criterion channel and all of the different offerings they have. So I would just be curious to know kind of what, what are some of your thoughts on the Criterion channel from before you had to put it on hold and now that you have reactivated it in the last few days to prep for being on the show, what are some of your thoughts on the channel and, and what are some of the things that you really appreciate about it? That's a great question. Now that I've resubscribed, I actually enjoy it more than I did when I initially uh, it initially launched. I think that was primarily because they kind of scrambled to move from canceling Filmstruck to kind mm. of like restructuring that to have it it only be the Criterion Channel specifically. At first, the catalog was a little small and it was small and mighty, so it was great. But now that I've like had to take a break from it and resubscribe to it just this week, I feel like there's a ton more content. I feel like it's a lot more organized and streamlined. I mean, there's also a lot of really good categories of just like, there's an entire section of like directed by women, which is super cool to mm -hmm. see. Given what's been going on this past year, I've noticed that they've also added a total category for black cinema, which is really awesome. And I really appreciate, I feel like it's a lot more diverse and a lot more focused. It's a lot more easier to navigate this time around. So I've been really enjoying it. Yeah. You know, it's been really interesting to, to see how, they've been able to use the channel so fluidly to pivot towards things that are going on culturally and to be able to respond to the current moment, I think much more easily than they're able to in their physical media collection. And so, I mean, there's just so much incredible content on there. Yeah, definitely. That's great. You're kind of just digging in again. Are there some things that you're finding difficult as you're digging in or some workarounds that you've had to find for yourself? 
Yeah, I feel like it's still a little bit limited as far as the catalog goes, but I mean, it, it is a streaming service that I have to remind myself that it's not like, you know, going to a video store, going to a library and having just like excess of films or another streaming service that might have been around a little bit longer and had more opportunities to, you know, gain licensing and copyright acts and that sort of a thing. So I have to kind of remind myself like, this is still a fairly new channel. Things are going to be added. Yeah. With the master's conversation that we're going to talk about, I was like, oh, obviously like A, B, and C movies are going to be on here because these are really quintessential art house cinema. And it was not. So I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that they like, instead of like a bigger streaming platform, instead of just like always having things available at all times and getting rid of them like once or twice a year, they do like a monthly clean out. So that's kind of nice because I need to remind myself to also like, yeah, you need to like catch these titles when they're available because they're not always going to be. So that kind of pushes me in and motivates me more to go, okay, well, these are the films I need to watch before they leave and that sort of a thing. So that's been kind of a learning curve that I've been adjusting to you, but yeah, it's been good. It's nice too. Cause when I was searching for directors that I wanted to talk about today, I was like, well, obviously, you know, these films by these filmmakers are going to be on there. And they weren't. Mm-hmm. So I was like, huh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been surprised that they've been able to get so many limited engagements on there. You know, I think there are some kind of bigger studio titles that just kind of blew me away that they've been able to get onto the channel. But it's it definitely is still kind of geared towards the more obscure, more niche art house titles. Definitely. If you were kind of looking towards the future, what are a couple of things that you would really hope to see as the channel tends to grow and as it continues to to build? Oh, that's a really good question. I think hopefully more genres will be added, a little mm. bit more variety in that. I mean, you've got your quintessential Godard, you got your Jean Vigos, you've got your Agnes Vardas, which are great and all super awesome learning tools for anybody that's just kind of getting their feet wet with cinema and just kind of want to watch wants to watch the the quintessential like film school 101 movies you know mm-hmm. i think it does a really great job at that i would love to see more this is just a personal opinion of mine yeah. more of the yeah. uh, horror films i think would be a good addition maybe getting some more like argento or mm. giallo films on there i think is something that's a little bit lacking that i would like to see more of in the future but again, that probably all depends on like licensing availabilities and criterion yeah. restoration. Yeah. And there's, I think there's always just always been a stigma against horror cinema in general within the film community. It could kind of be brushed off and dismissed. And I think that's really unfortunate because it can be such a powerful genre when used correctly. So yeah, that would be one thing I would like to see in the future for sure. That's awesome. I think so often horror films get relegated to, you know, the September, October time period in the art house calendars. And yeah, I think, you know, horror films are, are, are good to watch all year round, right? Definitely. Yeah. Well, Britt and I will be back to talk about the Criterion Channel's new and expiring titles for the month of January. But first, I'm going to check in with Michael Hutchins, and we're going to discuss the Criterion Channel's permanent streaming library. Stay with us. If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, check out Criterion Reflections, hosted by David Blakesley. Join David and his guests on their chronological journey through the films of the Criterion Collection, 
Each episode provides an in-depth discussion into the cultural context for the films discussed and covers Criterion releases on DVD, Blu-ray, Laserdisc, and the Criterion channel. Find out more at CriterionCast.com. I'm here with Michael Hutchins, one of our regular contributors to Criterion Channel Surfing, as well as a frequent contributor to most of the Facebook groups dedicated to the Criterion Collection. He's joining me today to talk about the permanent streaming library on the Criterion Channel. Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Josh. Great to be here. Thanks for Uh, having me. Oh, of course. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, I always love getting the chance to talk to you. You suggested talking about the the streaming-only library, and I had just updated my spreadsheet where I keep track of the, the streaming-only library, and I'm glad you're getting ready to dive into this because I just think there's always so much fascinating information about this as Criterion keeps adding new titles. And I feel like this last year, 2020, I feel like they added so many new titles to the streaming only collection. So let's talk a little bit about this. What are we looking at when we're looking at the streaming only side of the Criterion channel? It's it's a pretty good chunk when you consider at the moment, there's like 2,300 films on the channel Mm -hmm. that are featured. More than 400 of them are permanent. They're in the permanent library, but they're also streaming only, which means Criterion has never released them on disc. They are part of the Criterion Collection because they open with the Criterion Collection logo and the Janus Films logo. Mm. So that's kind of like a subset of their permanent library. What we, When you and I are talking about the permanent library, we think we're talking about films that were also released on disc. That includes mm-hmm. their spine-numbered series. It includes the Eclipse series and also any non-numbered releases like the films in the Barda box or the films in the upcoming One Car Y box. But those are also part of the permanent library, but they're not necessarily streaming only. So tonight we're going to talk about those 400-something films that are just streaming. Yeah. I see that you mentioned that within this streaming-only permanent collection, you have a handful of them that were released on Criterion Laserdisc as well. Yeah, back in the 80s and 90s, Criterion was releasing films on Laserdisc. Of course, they switched over whenever the technology arose. They switched over to the 5-inch, so it means DVD and later Blu-ray. But there were some titles that just never, you know, that were on Laserdisc and were never released on 5-inch. And they're still now part of the the streaming-only library. Mm -hmm. And and that includes films like, let's say, uh, Truffaut's Two English Girls and A Confidentially Yours and a couple of Alfred Hitchcock films. So they're pretty substantial films when you think about it. It's it's not like, for instance, uh, there's no reason why they wouldn't, no one would want them on disc. It's just that I think it has something to do at this point about not just making money, but having the available resources to actually release them and having the materials. Yeah. You know, because now they're going to release everything on Blu-ray, of course, and they're not going to take a chance of releasing, you know, uh, inferior masters. And I'm sure the cost of creating these these high definition masters is such that they just can't release everything. Yeah. And uh, and that's why we have such a, a huge amount of films that they have licensed and have never released on disc. Yeah. 
So I, when I look at what you have put together, you know, you start the streaming only library with Hulu. I believe there was also one streaming only title that they had back very briefly on the old auteurs slash movie site when they had the online cinematech. They had originally released Deep Crimson. Yes. Uh, like they had done a, like a one week screening of that, but it wasn't available for very long. But they really launched their their streaming in earnest when they had their Criterion section on Hulu. So and we're coming up on the ten year anniversary of that. Oh yeah. So yeah. So it's 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 been a while since they they've had like a permanent presence on the internet as far as streaming their films. Yeah. How many films did they end up having by the time? they ended up ending their deal with Hulu. At the time they transferred their films from Hulu over to Filmstruck, they had almost 400 films at that point. Mm. Now, of those 400 films, 250 of them have still never been released. Uh, The other 150 are films that subsequently were released on DVD and Blu-ray. That includes a lot of the Eclipse films. And then you've got other films that, even within the last few years, I'll, I'll list a few titles that were once playing only on Hulu. That includes the Czech film, The Cremator, Chaplin's Circus, Kiristami's Where is the Friend's House, and we've got Ozu's The Flavor of Green Tea Over Rice, The Kid Brother, the Harold Lloyd film. Mm. So those are some pretty substantial films, and sometimes waiting seven, eight years in their streaming-only library before they actually get released physically. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, as as soon as we see some of these titles start to make their appearance on the Criterion channel, people will be very eager to to say, oh, this means we're going to get a, yeah. a a physical release next month. This means we're going to get a, a release right around the corner. But, you know, this just shows that Criterion is taking their time with these releases. Yeah. yeah, with four or five releases a month, new releases, you know, you can imagine that's 50 to 60 films a year. Yeah. But, you know, this, there's going to be a lot, lot of stuff that they just can't release on disc. So, yeah. you know, that's why we have the channel. We can watch those films, you know, and so that's that's the good thing about it. Of yeah. course, once once they switched over the film struck, they kept adding films, even, even mm-hmm. beyond that. And the, I think whenever Filmstruck left, not only did they have all the films that had not yet been released, they added over 100 more films in the two mm. years of Filmstruck. And now that we're coming on the second anniversary of the new Criterion channel, we've gotten about 60 or 70 of those. But oddly, some of those are already now being released physically a lot sooner than those that were already in the pipeline. If you consider, <laughs> if you consider yeah. going back to, to the Hulu days, it's not like they're lined up and all ready to go one after the other. But some, yeah. are, some are getting jumped ahead of others. Mm-hmm. For instance, a film that was on, a streaming-only film that was on the Criterion channel when it launched. In fact, it was on the channel before it was officially launched. Those people who were in the, the charter members mm, got yeah. like a, a month's uh, preview of the channel before it uh, opened officially. Got to see the, the fabulous Baron Munchausen, which is the yeah. film by Carol Zeman. Yeah. And, and so that was a streaming only film for about a year until they released it physically. Mm. And then, then we've got a new film coming up soon, Celine and Julie Go Boating. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's going to be released, I think, in February or March. Yeah. So we're seeing these films actually, you know, some of them being released, but, you know, we, we can't expect all of them to. It's just that some of them that I suppose have figured out, you know, of course, they don't have the elements, but also they just there's no demand for them as well. You know, yeah, yeah. But a good indication of, of a film that you see in this library that may get a physical release 
look at Janus, the theatrical releasing arm of the of the you know the sister company of Criterion. Mm. And you can get a good idea about what you think will be released physically. And that's films like Mirror, which it's just been scheduled to have a, a theatrical release, virtual or whatever. I'm not sure how they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. But Mirror was one of the Moss films. Uh, that's the Tarkovsky film. And it's been rumored for years. And now finally we're going we're gonna, since to, we, since it's now on Janice's schedule, we know that the high-definition master is there and ready to go. And it's, so it's just a matter of time before it re- gets released by Criterion on disc. And then there's certain other films like Kurosawa's Dursu Uzala, which has been hanging around Criterion for going on 30 years. And the rumors we hear from that is just Moss Film was having trouble in its restoration of that film. But you can see it in as good a shape as you're going to see it momentarily on the channel. Yeah, and that's that's been one of the conversations that we've had lately in the Facebook group, right? That some of these restorations... Right now, what we have on the channel is as good as we're going to get for a bit. I think uh, that was a conversation, I believe, about the big sky. Yes. That the the restoration that we have for that is is what's available right now. Yeah. It was a physical restoration, from what I understand, mm-hmm. a photochemical restoration. It wasn't a digital one, which means it's, it's, it's just not in good enough shape where you can actually release it on disc. Yeah. To the quality that, of course, Criterion, what you expect from Criterion. Yeah. You have a, a breakdown of the the countries that are represented by the permanent streaming only library. And I know we've talked about the country breakdown before, but I'm curious, would you mind just kind of going through some of these again? Uh, this is really fascinating to look at here. Sure. Of those 400 films that are currently on the channel, 149 of them are from Japan. And those were overwhelmingly all from the Hulu era. So -hmm. those films have been sitting around for up to uh, seven or eight years, almost 10 years for some of them. Only a few of those have been released. For instance, the Kenosha films were released on DVD. And there was there's other ones like Ingrid Bergman's yeah. set. Those films were, were streaming only films, and then they were released yeah. on on Eclipse. Again, of yeah. course, they're released on Eclipse because the, the quality of the film isn't isn't enough yeah. where they could release it on Blu-ray. But of course, now that we don't have Eclipse anymore, and I I don't want to put a nail in its coffin, but it, it seems obvious for, at this point that we're not going to get any more. Yeah. But that was just another outlet for these films. If they're waiting for a, a high definition restoration. We may we may have to be waiting for some time for some of those films, especially the of the Japanese films. But getting back to the to the countries they're from, we've got sixty from the United Kingdom, about sixty from the United States, forty from France, and, you know, and, and the rest of Europe. In fact, almost forty percent are from Europe and forty percent are from Asia, and everything else is from the rest of the world. So that means very very few films from Australia, South America, and no film at all from Africa is a mm. part of this streaming only library. Yeah, it seems that whenever they get films in that streaming-only library from Africa, they try to put it out pretty much uh, within a few months. Whenever they get films from South America, it looks like there's one film from South America right now. They try to get those out pretty quickly. The You know, I, I like you're saying that because that makes sense now why, why you're not seeing them build up in the yeah. streaming library. Because once they've got the rights to them, they will jump to the head of the line. So, you know, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. Yeah. You know? But something else I noticed is how few yeah. women are represented in this streaming only library. But yeah. that's an indication of the past and of, mm-hmm. of all the films that were part of the Criterion Collection. It only represented what was available. And at that time, you know, women directed films just weren't available. 
Yeah. And we're seeing yeah. that changed as well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when we look at the Japanese films, it's really fascinating. I think so many of those are from a handful of directors, right? Oh, yes. Yes. We've, we've got, you know, over 30 from Ozu. We've got over 40 from Kenosha. We've got dozens from like Oshima. Yeah. And there's just so many great films out there that are in this library. You know, and, and I'm glad that you have this podcast because you're telling people, you know, we can talk about, you know, the new films every month. We can talk about mm-hmm. the films that are leaving every month. But yeah, but let, let's see these films, these you know fantastic films that have been sitting around as part of the Criterion Collection yeah. and seem to get very little attention. Yeah. Of course, you have your section each month where you do ask your guests to pull out one of these films. So that, that's yeah. great, putting a spotlight on them. Yeah. When we're looking at the ways that Criterion is pulling from this library to choose for physical releases, because... You know, while they have licensing deals with big studios, which obviously will put some of these releases on hold, what are some of the, the things that we've seen come out of the streaming library that were really notable to you? We had Tony, the French film. I was, I was glad to finally see that to come out. Yeah. And then we, then we had, of course, the film that everybody's been waiting for for years is Come and See. Yeah. That's been in the library ever since Filmstruck. And then we have... Michael Haneke's Funny Games. And then we've got another Mike's film, Secrets and Lies, is coming out soon. That's been in the library for a number of years. In fact, I think we spoke about this before, but somehow it jumped ahead of High Hopes, which is the Mike Lee film that everyone expected would be the next film that would get a spine number. Yeah. But, you know, considering the circumstances about the story of Secrets and Lies, you know, I'm just thrilled that it's going to be released within the next month or two. Yeah. You you mentioned a few of the the streaming releases that you think we we might get a physical release of sooner rather than later. What are some of those ones that you think we we might get based on the trends that you've seen over the last few years? I think we're going to get Olivier Assayas's Irma Vep pretty mm-hmm. soon, and also Martin Bell's his two documentaries Streetwise and Tiny. Mm-hmm. Those are both Janice films. They were on the track to be released theatrically by Janice last year, and also I'm thinking Jan Oxenberg's films are going to be released in a physical collection. I know she's not well known, but she's got some great films, and I I think that putting a spotlight on her, they need to be out there physically as well. Especially yeah. her film, Thank You and Good Night, you know, a, a wonderful documentary. And I can I can assume that if they released her films, they'd be in a box set because she's only done two features and about two or three shorts. And, and they're all they're all uh, now licensed from Janice so that mm. they, they could be easy to be released in a box set. Yeah. And then there's other films, of course, you know, as I said, Dursu Uzala, we've been waiting for for years. You know, who knows, you know, that will ever. And then... Uh, We've got Adam Egoyan's The Sweet Air After and Exotica are both now part of the Criterion Collection. Mm-hmm. And those seem to be ripe for physical releases. And then uh, other films that's been sitting around for a while that we've heard rumors about and may eventually show up uh, is uh, Kieslowski's earlier films, The Scar, Camera Buff, mm-hmm. and No End. I could see those in a, in a box set. In fact, I think maybe about three or four years ago, I even predicted that one year that it yeah. would be a box set. But of course, that hasn't happened yet. And then I, I, I want to see Panahi's The White Balloon and The Mirror released physically. Those are just two wonderful films that really deserve physical releases and part mm-hmm. of the, uh, the Criterion Spine Numbered series. Yeah. Yeah, I think those would be really, really fantastic additions here. 
you have a section down here for films that you think probably won't get physical releases that yeah. uh, you'd like to encourage people to catch. What are a couple of highlights that you would like to to direct people to? I love the films of Kenosha, Casegate mm-hmm. Kenosha, and he has uh, some great films from the 50s all the way up through the 80s. I especially like his sequel to his first color film ever made in Japan. Mm. It's called Carmen Comes Home. But what's even better is the sequel called Carmen's mm. Innocent Love. Just a charming little film that it's a it's it's got as many canted camera angles as you've ever seen in any <laughs> film you've ever seen. You can't imagine. Yeah. It's humorous and it and it's got but it's got like a little dark undercurrent. It's a, it's about nuclear proliferation. Of course that was a subject in Japan during the 50s. But he also made this great love story called You Were Like a Wild Chrysanthemum, mm-hmm. which I would recommend. And then we've got other films from the 50s, including Luis Garcia Berlanga's Welcome, Mr. Marshall and Miracles on Thursday. You know, two films that we would have expected to come out in a eclipse box, you know, and actually was heavily rumored, but that that never seemed to happen. And then we've got, oh, from the 60s, we've got British films like Seance on a Wet Afternoon, mm-hmm. very tense thriller that I, I think that your listeners would, would enjoy. Even going to the 80s, you've got Chantal Ackerman's Golden 80s. I think we spoke of that before. Yeah. I doubt that it will ever be released physically, but it's there for us to see on the channel. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. I mean, there's just, there's so much, there's just this wealth of content on the channel. So many incredible films that make up this permanent library that I think we all get distracted by all the shiny new, new films that (laughs) come every month, which is great because there's so many great films, but I do think that we, we often miss all of the really great films that are there day in and day out. Yep. Oh, I would also, I think I missed noting that the Czech films that are on the channel now mm. as uh, streaming only, they have made a deal with the Czech national film, and we're going to get those because they are being restored. These are films that Criterion is involved with, but they're not having to put up the, the initial expense. Mm. You know, I, I'm assuming this because Czech national film, of course, is paying for all of the cost of restoring them. And then I guess they, then they license to labels like maybe Second Run in the UK mm. and Criterion here in the US. But there's uh, three great films from that series that I recommend, and that is Milos Forman's Black Peter, mm-hmm. Yvonne P- Passer's Intimate Lighting, Carol Kochnia's The Ear. So those those are fantastic films. And, and if you're into Czech films, you, you, you can't miss those three films. Yeah, those are those are all really great, great recommendations there as well. Yeah, yeah. I always like to check in with you. Uh, is there anything that surprised you as you were doing your research on the streaming only titles? You know, of course, besides learning or rediscovering that there's very few <laughs> female directors in there, you know, that's just and hardly anything from outside Western culture. Other than that, it pretty much was within what I thought it would be. But, you know, there's so many things out there, and I, and I hope your listeners get a chance. You know, there's silent films that, you know, mm-hmm. I guess a lot of people these days just kind of shy away from. Mm-hmm. But there's two amazing films by Victor Seastrom. People remember him from films like The Phantom Carriage, which was released on disc. And also he was the star of Wild Strawberries. But yeah. he made a couple of films back in the 19. 19- teens called a man there was and an outlaw and his wife 
great, great silent films from Sweden. So yeah, they're out there. You just you just need to go to my letterbox page and you'll find the list of all four hundred of them. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. And your letterbox list is one of my favorite resources. I use it regularly when I am updating my monthly spreadsheet. Did we have any new additions to this permanent streaming library this last month with new titles? Oh, yes. Thanks for your reminder. We got 10 new short documentaries by Vittorio Di Seta. And I'm I'm going to be, well, I won't be embarrassed because I've never heard of him. Mm-hmm. But I, I watched them all in, in two days. Uh, they're very short films. They're all 10 minutes long, except one is 20 minutes. It's almost like he was on a reel and he had to keep it at a certain, at a certain length. Yeah. But they're amazing. They've just been restored by the World Film Foundation. Mm-hmm. And I, I can imagine that they would actually get released physically altogether in, in one set. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we got them this month. This, so that's the newest additions to the permanent library. Oh, that's neat. That's really neat. I love these additions every month, right? Almost we're getting something new added. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. This was such a delight to get to talk to you about all this. Same here, Josh. It was good talking with you. Where can people find you online? I am on Letterboxd. Just look for Michael Hutchins. Got all my lists there. I'm also in the Criterion Now Facebook group and also the Criterion Channel Club, and where we talk about specifically about films that's on the Criterion Channel. That's great. Well, we'll be right back with more Criterion Channel Surfing as Britt and I continue our conversation by talking about January's new releases and expiring titles. Stay with us. If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, check out The Complete Podcast, hosted by Matthew Gasteyer and Travis Trudell, covering the filmographies of the world's most renowned directors one season at a time. The Complete is dedicated to taking chronological journeys through the most rewarding filmographies in cinema. Each season covers one director, with each episode focusing on one feature film from their catalog. The first season was dedicated to Stanley Kubrick, the second season covered Elaine May, and the third season was focused on Krzysztof Kieślowski. The current fourth season is dedicated to the films of Satoshi Kon the director of such notable Japanese animated films as Perfect Blue, Millennium Actress, and Paprika. Find The Complete Podcast at thecompletepod.blueberry.net. Welcome back to Criterion Channel Surfing. I'm here with Britt Condiff, and we're getting ready to dive into the Criterion Channel's new and expiring titles for the month of January. Britt, you you said that you've just re-subscribed and you're just diving back into the Criterion channel. And uh, as you're looking at this this list of all of the new titles for the month of January, I'm just curious to, to, to hear from you. What strikes you about this list of of titles uh what are your first impressions for the what i always feel like is the overwhelming amount of new titles that come to the channel each month i think you hit the nail on the head there i was gonna say overwhelming but in a good way (laughs) i thought it was really neat that they had a whole category of like a big peter sellers tribute which is really fantastic that's (laughs) definitely somebody that i've been wanting to watch more films of and revisit which i actually got to do with one of my picks this month which Mm. was a lot of fun Jane Fonda category, 
love it here for it i can't wait to go back and deep dive into more of those uh because it's been a long time since i've watched a lot of her earlier films so that'll be a good time mm-hmm. and yeah a lot of really good variety a lot of good variety i'm really excited to like actually have more time to come through and explore a little bit more outside of what we're going to talk about today yeah, you know, I really like the the fact that we get these starring bundles, we get these directing bundles, we get thematic bundles, filmmakers that I've never heard of, filmmakers that I know about, but I haven't really done a deep dive into their work. I mean, it just is every month I feel like we're getting just kind of this incredible bounty of riches here. Definitely. Yeah. Well, let me uh, dive into this list here. So this month we are getting starring Peter Sellers with the features The Lady Killers, I'm All Right Jack, The Mouse That Roared, Never Let Me Go, Mr. Topaz, Lolita, and a whole lot more there. We're getting a starring Jane Fonda bundle with Walk on the Wild Side, La Ronde, Cat Bellou, The Chase, Barefoot in the Park, Barbarella, Spirits of the Dead, Clute, Tout va bien, Letter to Jane, and again, a whole lot more. We're getting a three by Raj Kapoor bundle with Awara, Shri 420, and Sangam. We're getting a Japanese noir bundle, which is mainly a repackaged bundle of a lot of titles from the permanent collection with Stray Dog, Black River, I Am Waiting, Rusty Knife, Stakeout, The Bad Sleep Well, Intimidation, Take Aim at the Police Van, Zero Focus, Pigs and Battleships, High and Low. And again, this is one of those really packed bundles. Uh, There's a whole lot more in uh, in that bundle. We're getting documentaries by Julian Temple with Oil City Confidential and Habaneros. We're getting directed by Zinabu Irene Davis with the features A Powerful Thang, Compensation, and the shorts Crocodile Conspiracy, Cycles, and Mother of the River. We're getting three by Pablo Tropero with Lion's Den, Carancho, and White Elephant. We're getting directed by Bertrand Tavignier with The Clockmaker of St. Paul, The Judge and the Assassin, Death Watch, A Week's Vacation, Coute de Torchon, A Sunday in the Country, Life and Nothing But, Daddy Nostalgia, and Captain Conan. We're getting short films by Jennifer Reeder with Seven Songs About Thunder, Tears Cannot Restore Her, Therefore I Weep, And I Will Rise If Only to Hold You Down, A Million Miles Away, Blood Below the Skin, Crystal Lake, Lola 15, Shuvit and All Small Bodies. We're getting an addition to 30 Years of the Film Foundation, a section called Documentary Shorts by Vittorio De Sica, The Age of Swordfish, Islands of Fire, Solfatara, Easter in Sicily, Sea Countrymen, Golden Parable, Fishing Boats, Orgasola's Shepherds, A Day in Barbegia, and The Forgotten. We're getting directed by John M. Stahl with Backstreet, Imitation of Life, Magnificent Obsession, and When Tomorrow Comes. We're getting the streaming premiere of The Ghost of Peter Sellers. We're getting the full Criterion Collection editions of The Ruling Class, Monsoon Wedding, Ministry of Fear, and Riot in Cell Block 11. We're getting Saturday matinees of The Incredible Shrinking Man, Kiriku and the Men and the Women, The Cameraman, Tom Thumb and Supamoto. We're getting double features of Holiday and Bringing Up Baby, The Man with the Golden Arm and The Manchurian Candidate, The Mask of the Red Death and Spirits of the Dead, 
Ray and Liz and Meantime and The Wicker Man and Kill List. For the shorts plus feature, we're getting The Pub and With Nail and I. Jimmy Could Have Fallen from the Sky and Jimmy Plays Monterey. Zoo and Code Unknown and The Big Shave and Ice. And for the uh, individual titles that are not tied into anything, we're getting France Fanon, Black Skin, White Mask. We're getting a highlight of Poto and Cabegno, uh, Always Shine. We're getting Home Goings, which includes the shorts Kevin Beasley's Raw Materials and Betty Sear Taking Care of Business. We're also getting a couple of other additions to the 30 years of the Film Foundation. We're getting He Who Gets Slapped, Blackmail, Hallelujah, Hell's Heroes, and The Big Sky. We're getting Cary Grant comedies, uh, some new additions to that bundle with Bringing Up Baby, The Talk of the Town, and Arsenic and Old Lace. And we're getting a new addition to the Afrofuturism bundle with La Sonietis. So, I mean, again, this happens every time I do this segment. Every time I, I go through the list, there is always something that I have forgotten has been added to the channel. And I keep getting excited because I'm like, oh, I forgot that this extra bundle was added or I forgot about the particular shortened double, the shortened feature, or I forgot about the, the film foundation editions or, you know, there's just, there's always so much being added each month to the channel. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. There's definitely <laughs> a lot going on, but yeah, it is really cool. I do really appreciate that. They're a lot more streamlined and a lot easier to, Kind of categorize um, if you're looking for something specific or if you have a broad sort of generalized idea of what you want to watch and dive into it's got a little bit of both which is nice yeah so Britt what are some of the films that you're excited to see what are some of the films that you would like to recommend people I mean there's so much here so let's let's help people maybe wade through this uh, I'm, I'm learning more and more I've, I've made peace with the fact that I'm not going to be able to catch everything that's on the channel and I'm not going to try anymore so uh, <laughs> what 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 are some of the things that you uh, would recommend people see and what are some of the things that you're just really uh, dying to see while they're on the channel Sure. Yeah. No, I've, I've had to come to peace with that myself. Uh, the first step <laughs> is admitting that unfortunately, no matter how hard you try or how late you stay out, there's no way to catch every title. <laughs> and it's a sad yes. truth, but we've got to, we've got to live it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> For this month, I'm really excited to see the original Wicker Man by mm. Robin Hardy. It's been on my to watch list forever. Love poking fun at the silly little remake that stars our good friend Nicolas Cage. <laughs> so it'll be nice to see the original context of the story and kind of where that was derived from as opposed to the, the remake. Another film I'm super excited to watch is Pigs and Battleships. Mm. I've heard a lot of really great things about it. Japanese cinema is one of the countries and genres I'm not super familiar with outside of like the Kurosawas and the Mizuguchis. So that's Definitely a country I want to dive more into for sure. So I love, love, love the idea of just starting with Japanese noir. Like what a great, <laughs> what yeah. a great way to get more involved in that for sure. Yeah, that's great. I too had, have come to the, the Robin Hardy wicker man uh, after the Nicolas Cage wicker man. <laughs> and I think I saw it when it was, when it was streaming on the channel, I think last year and really really enjoyed it it was unlike anything i had ever seen 
I had a guest on talking about 70s horror on the channel a few months ago, and she she absolutely loves The Wicker Man. It's one of her favorite films, and she has done many podcasts about The Wicker Man. And it's it's one of those films that uh, I just think is absolutely mesmerizing. So I'm going to be really excited to hear what you have to say about it once you uh, get a chance to catch it. I'll have more to say about Japanese noir later. So yeah, that's that's really fun. Well, what do you recommend then out of the... I mean, there's a lot to recommend out of this, but what are a couple of the highlights that you want to recommend here? Oh, yeah, definitely um, want to recommend Monsoon Wedding by Mira Nair. She's a fantastic filmmaker. She, I think, is one of the one of the rares that is able to kind of incorporate her Indian culture and produce and distribute her films in a more wide stream audience. Mm. Yeah, she, I think, believe she's done uh, Vanity Fair is probably her most well-known Americanized film with Reese Witherspoon, which is a great piece. Mm-hmm. It's just a really beautiful film. It delves a lot into the family drama. So if you're big in family dramas, yes, it does center around a wedding, but there's a lot more to it than that. It's a really good look into the wedding in general. Like we understand, for the most part, we understand like the American culture wedding and it's really interesting to kind of shift that perspective of, you know, what does the Indian ceremony look like? And yeah. what does that kind of entail? Like we know our American sort of Christian ceremonies are the bride and groom, and then you do this and that, and this is what is expected of you. And so it kind of presents a different perspective of wedding culture in general and different aspects of like the family drama, so to speak. So yeah, I really enjoy that. Yeah. But I'm also pro watching more women in cinema and getting them more attention. So I think Marinair is a really great place to start. If you like family dramas and like wedding movies, this is a good one. That's great. Yeah, I love I love Monsoon Wedding. I think it is just such a there's a vibrancy to it as well. There's just so much energy, so much life to it. And I love that that it doesn't shy away from the darker corners of family drama, that it it isn't just this kind of candy coated marriage story. But that it it really it really deals with some of the the more the more difficult issues of family relationships and dynamics. So yeah, I think this is a beautiful film. This is a great recommendation for people to check out if they haven't seen it yet. Yeah, you gotta you gotta do it. It's it's a good one, and you're exactly right. I think it does the wonderful job of kind of brings out the ugly side in people sometimes mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Uh, weddings because you get your extended families involved, and it's just layered upon layered about like bringing up issues you might not want to deal with, but it just so happens to come up during this time. And I think it does a really good job of kind of examining facing your fears and sort of facing those anxieties head on, and just like the whole family secret dynamic is really interesting and it's just beautifully shot and costuming is just gorgeous for sure it's just such a beautiful colorful film yeah and uh what's the last one you really are eager to recommend to people Ooh, this is both a recommended and uh, a rewatch that I wanted to talk about today. I had this urge recently just with all the old stuff going on in the world. We won't get into it, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm, but I thought mm-hmm. it was the perfect time to revisit Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb by Stanley Kubrick. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge Kubrick fan, one of my favorite filmmakers, for better or for worse. But yeah, After watching this film the other day, I forgot how hilarious it was, but also how incredibly relatable it is 
yeah. today, even though it was filmed in 1964, it still has really sharp wit. I really enjoy the Easter eggs that Kubrick leaves in a lot of his films. So it's really nice to, every time you watch a Kubrick film, at least to me, there's always something that you miss. So I really love films that have so much to offer. And yeah, just rewatching it upon the second or third time, you're like, oh, I missed that this time. Or I didn't catch that reference before because I didn't understand it because mm-hmm. I watched this in my 20s. So rewatching it in my 30s, there was a few jokes that kind of went over my head that I now found like even more hilarious this time around. I mean, just the, the scene in the war room is one of my <laughs> favorites and it's just so comparable, unfortunately, with some of the news uh, <laughs> that yeah. we've uh, we've had to endure in 2020. So I think it's pretty relatable still and also could be, at least for me, it was comedy is very therapeutic to me. Comedy and satire, especially when it's so focused and so so smart, I think. So yeah, this is definitely one I recommend for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that Dr. Strangelove was one of those films that was a, it was one of those entry point films into classic cinema for me that I, I had to watch in a film class. I had been mainly watching indie films of the 90s. I was in college in 95 and was watching a lot of your Tarantinos and, you know, all of the the stuff that was coming out at that time. And, and it was stuff like Dr. Strangelove that kind of helped propel me to explore classic cinema that, that then also helped me help lead me into more art house cinema into films like you know filmmakers like Bergman and into French cinema into foreign cinema but Strangelove was the beginning of that it was that gateway Kubrick was that gateway director for me and Strangelove was that that first place I think there was something so modern about Dr. Strangelove it feels still so timely still feels so relevant still feels so (laughs) unfortunately relevant yeah yeah Uh, I'll be excited to talk about this with you uh, later as well uh, as we talk about it more deeply but now that's a great recommendation for anyone who has not watched it yet this is a great chance to get to see it you know it's hard to choose some of the things that you're excited to see but I always try to zero in on filmmakers that I either have not heard much about or that I have heard about but haven't seen yet and I think the first one uh, that I'm going to select is the bundle of films by Zanabu Irene Davis. I don't know anything about her work and as I did research for the podcast and I was looking this up her work just looks incredible she's a black feminist filmmaker and I am so excited that the Criterion channel is highlighting her work and this is going to bring her films to people who might not have ever seen any of her work before. And so her work looks really, really incredible. And so I'm always, always excited to discover filmmakers who have not had the profile that especially a lot of white male filmmakers get. And so I'm, I'm really excited to, to be able to check out her films on the channel. Those are ones that I'll definitely be diving into soon. I'm also really excited to see the short films of Jennifer Reeder. She's a filmmaker I'd heard about, but I had not seen any of her films yet. And I really like this kind of the, the performance art and the way that performance artists kind of transition into short film work and 
And I love seeing how cinema and performance art can be blended into some really interesting projects. So those are films that I'm really, really eager to catch while they're on the channel. Same. I was really excited to see them listed also because I've heard bits and pieces of their work, a little bit blurb here and there of just yeah. like, oh, if you like this person, you should check out these directors. Yeah. And the conversation kind of stopped there just because I had a hard time accessing copies of their films. So now that they're on there, I'm really excited to check them out as well. So good picks. Yeah. And I do feel like that's that's one of the challenges with short films. That's one of the challenges with documentary work. That's one of the challenges with avant-garde work. There are these these categories of films that are just, re it's really hard to track down copies of these films sometimes, especially as we're getting more and more into the streaming world. It just becomes harder and harder to access this work. And so, you know, I really love that that Criterion is putting these up, even if they're limited engagements, it's great to have them up for a, a time to be able to see them. I am going to piggyback off of your excited to see the pigs and battleships. I'm going to, to highly recommend that Japanese noir bundle. Every film in there is fascinating. They're all really different in tonally and stylistically, but they are all really, really intriguing works from everyone from Kurosawa to you have some Kobayashi, you have some workman directors to some master directors. There's just this incredible variety of films and filmmakers in the bundle. And you've got some brutally dark noir, you've got some really poppy noir in there. And uh, it's a really, really fun collection of films that if most of what you have experienced of noir is American noir, the Japanese noir has its own really unique sensibility that I think is really fun and well worth checking out. And also out of the Peter Sellers bundle, I would highly recommend The Lady Killers. I just, I think that this may be one of my favorite performances from Peter Sellers. I think that it is an absolutely delightful film. It is one of his Ealing comedies and it is a joyous film. It is dark, macabre, but oh so funny from beginning to end and if you if you haven't seen it i would highly recommend this one it's always been on my to watch list so i definitely gotta check that out i've heard really great things about that version so i'm really excited to watch that yeah i watched it again not too long ago and my wife and i have been slowly working our way through some of those Eileen comedies and it's it's pitch black but it is it is very funny and peter sellers is just a delight well, those are the new titles for the month. But as I always like to say, Criterion giveth and Criterion taketh away. So we are losing quite a few titles this month from the channel. And it's going to be a rush to try to get through the ones that we all want to see. We are going to be losing the entire three by Barbara Streisand bundle. We'll be losing Yentl, The Prince of Tides, and The Mirror Has Two Faces. We'll be losing from the three by Terrence Malick bundle. We'll be losing the new world from frame of mind. Psychiatry on screen. We'll be losing blind alley, the dark past, the cobweb pressure point, the president's analyst and ordinary people from queer sighted queer fear. We'll be losing the black cat, the uninvited and the picture of Dorian gray 
From the 30 Years of the Film Foundation bundle, we'll be losing Once Upon a Time in the West, Moulin Rouge, The Mask of the Red Death, and The Big Country. From 3 by Bill Forsyth, we'll be losing Local Hero and Housekeeping. From Written by Harold Pinter, we'll be losing The Pumpkin Eater, The Go-Between, and The French Lieutenant's Woman. We'll be losing the entire Bill Plimpton bundle, which includes The Tune, I Married a Strange Person, Mutant Aliens, Hair High, Idiots and Angels, Cheatin', Revengeance, Your Face, How to Kiss, One of Those Days, 25 Ways to Quit Smoking, The Wise Man, Push Comes to Shove, and again, everything else that's in that bundle. From the Australian New Wave bundle, we're going to be losing Sunday Too Far Away, Storm Boy, Newsfront, The Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith, Money Movers, and Starstruck. From Three by Mia hansen Love, we're going to be losing Father of My Children, Goodbye First Love, and Things to Come. From Bad Vacations, we're going to be losing Unrelated and Sightseers. From the starring Elaine Delon bundle, we're going to be losing Rocco and his brothers, The Girl on a Motorcycle, The Circle de Rouge, The Widow Kurdek, and Un Flick. From the Three by Bill Gunn bundle, we're going to be losing the final title from that bundle, which is Personal Problems. From the four documentaries by Ron Mann, we'll be losing Imagine the Sound, Poetry in Motion, Comic Book Confidential, and Twist. From the Three by Stephen Cohn bundle, we'll be losing The Wise Kids, Henry Gamble's Birthday Party, and Princess Sid. We'll be losing the Criterion Collection editions of It Happened One Night, Make Way for Tomorrow, The King of the Hill with the Underneath, and we'll be losing the Saturday matinees of the Canterville Ghost. We'll also be losing a bunch of individual titles that were either parts of double features or were just streaming on their own. We'll be losing The Devil Doll, Mad Love, Village of the Damned, The Bad Seed, John McEnroe in the Realm of Perfection, Tuesday After Christmas, and Rafiki. So yeah, we are we are losing a lot of titles here. Britt, what are you going to have to catch before before the films leave? Well, I already cheated and already watched what am I excited to see because <laughs> I was so nervous it was going to go away before I had the chance to watch it. But the excited to see was Village of the Damned, which I quite enjoyed. Definitely would check that one out for sure. And the other title I'm excited to see before it goes away is Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. I have not seen that adaptation. And just judging by the trailer, I don't know a lot about John Huston's films. And his name's been thrown around a lot because he's a super prominent filmmaker. So that's someone that I really want to learn more about. Yeah. And figured I would start there. Yeah. And, you know, the Film Foundation ones, those are all new restorations. And, you know, I think that I always try to see you know, when, with the films that are leaving, are they available anywhere else? Are they available on any of the other streaming services I use? So I can see, you know, where to prioritize, but you know, all of those film foundation ones, I don't know that the, the new restorations are going to be available on those other streaming services. So those are ones that I think I might prioritize as well. And I'd forgotten that John Houston was the director of Moulin Rouge and, and I do like Houston's work as a director and that may move that one up on my list quite a bit. So thank you for reminding me about that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that either about Yeah, you're right. That's something I need to look out for also with the expiring titles. If they do go to other streaming services, are they going to have the Criterion stamp and be just as like pretty and polished? So yeah, 
Yeah. Good to, good to keep in mind. What do you recommend people catch before they leave? I definitely would recommend The Black Cat. It's a fantastic little horror piece, especially for into like early queer cinema. And seeing those two characters outside of the Universal Monsters universe is a lot of fun. The Bela Lugosi, of course, is Bela Lugosi, and he's just wonderful. So yeah, I would definitely recommend that. It's a pretty quick watch, super dark, good use of shadow, and the the narration is really striking and yeah, very haunting. We'll just go with that. (laughs) Nice, nice. The other one I really recommend would be the uh, Ron Man documentary, Comic Book Confidential, especially with the rise of the Marvel Universe kind of taking over cinemas <laughs> the past decade or so. My partner is a big comic book reader. I learned a lot from him. He uh, ran a comic book shop for like five years before he accepted his current position. So he knows a lot of the ins and outs of the comic book industry. And so it was a really fun watch for us together because he Hmm. had already known all the stuff and trying to watch a little bit more documentaries. So it was a really fun watch for us together. He because he would just go, oh, yeah, I knew that. And then he would kind of chime in and add his own little little blurb and spin on it. So for someone like me who doesn't know much about comic books outside of, you know, what I read as a kid and what's been adapted into a TV series or a movie. It's a really good, like, comic book 101 watch. It's a nice little brief overview of kind of like the history of comic books and kind of how they've evolved today. And today, I mean, like, by the 80s when this was directed. A lot, Obviously, a lot has changed since then. So do take it with a grain of salt. There has been a lot of adjustment and changes and updates to the comic book industry and how that all runs. But yeah, if you're just looking for something that's just like a brief history of like how that ball got rolling, I think it's a great place to start. Oh, that's great. That's great. That sounds really compelling. And I may I may definitely have to have check that one out before it leaves. His documentary work have, has looked really, really interesting. So yeah, thanks for that recommendation. The ones that I'm really excited to see and the one that I think that I will definitely catch for sure before it leaves, I don't always get a chance to see the the films that I'm excited to see before they leave, but the one that I, I think I will most definitely watch is Bill Gunn's Personal Problems. I had heard a lot about this as the restoration of this was touring, I think, two years ago, and it was getting rave reviews when it was touring New York, so I... I do really want to catch this before it leaves the channel. Really, really interested in that. And I need to see more of Bill Gunn's work. The three by Mia Hansen-Love. Again, one of my goals is to try to see more films by female filmmakers. And this is really exciting to, to get more of this work. But her work sounds really fascinating, really compelling. And I'm really eager to catch at least one or two of the films in her bundle there as well. So those are ones that I'm definitely going to try to catch before they, they leave the channel. Have you seen any of these? I haven't. I've heard of personal problems before, and that really sounded like an interesting one. Yeah. I will completely, if you have not seen it, do take the time to catch Make Way for Tomorrow. It is one of the the great dramas. It is just gut-wrenching. It is one of the most beautiful films I think I have seen ever. It is gorgeous and just heartbreaking. So I'm glad that we have had it on the channel for a bit, but do catch it if you don't have the disc for it. It's really lovely that it also has most of the supplements from the Criterion disc on there as well, so that you can 
can catch those as well. It's just a, it's a really beautiful, beautiful film that will break your heart. We all need a little catharsis at this time in our lives. So it's a really great film for that. And then I will completely, again, recommend, and I've recommended this before, but I'm going to continue to do so, Joanna Hogg's Unrelated. Joanna Hogg, I discovered her work two years ago when they had the bundle on the channel and just fell in love with all of her films and really fell completely in love with her rhythms and the way she tells stories and unrelated is her first film. It is mesmerizing. If you haven't had a chance to see this one, do do catch that. It's really lovely. And her latest film, the souvenir is on Amazon prime. And I believe the souvenir part two is going to be coming out in theater and video on demand at some point later on this year. So, you know, get yourself caught up on Joanna Hogg's work and kind of fall in love with the rhythms and the way, the deliberate pacing and the way she frames things and, and allows events to unfold in the camera. Uh, it's just, it's gorgeous. So I will recommend her work until I lose my voice. So catch her work. <laughs> awesome. I definitely got to add that to my list now. Yeah. Well, those are the Criterion Channel's new and expiring titles for the month of January. There's a lot there. Hopefully, Britt and I have given you a few titles to catch that you have not uh, added to your queue yet, and uh, we'll help you wade through a few of the many, many titles that have been added and are leaving. Britt, thank you so much for joining me today. This was lovely. Where can people find you online? So you can find me on Facebook at Britt Condiff. I'm on Twitter, Instagram with the screen name Amit underscore Brit. I'm not really super active on Letterboxd anymore, which I need to update, but I do use Taste. That's my film app of choice currently and under the same screen name, Amit underscore Brit. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed being on here. This is great. You can find Criterion Channel Surfing at CriterionCast.com and our website, CinemaCocktail.com. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for Criterion Channel Surfing. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us in the Criterion Channel Club Facebook group or send us a message at CriterionChannelSurfing at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Josh Hornbeck. Our logo was designed by Doug McCambridge of the Good Times Great Movies podcast. You can see more of his design work at dpmdesigns.com. Criterion Channel Surfing is a proud member of Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com and support the work of CriterionCast at Patreon.com slash CriterionCast. Criterion Channel Surfing is listener-supported, so please consider donating to the show at Patreon.com slash Josh Hornbeck. For just $5 a month, you get early access to all regular and bonus episodes of the show, and for $10 a month, you'll have the chance to give my guests and I a film to discuss in a special Patreon-only bonus episode. I'd like to thank this month's new Patreon supporter, Aaron West, and I'd like to thank all of our regular supporters. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. It means so much. 
On the next episode of Criterion Channel Surfing, Britt and I will sit down to discuss The Masters, films by some of cinema's greatest directors. I hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com.